three, two, one, play. been a long time. Hello, everybody listening to this, all three of you, I guess, now at this point. Yeah, we love all of you, all three of you, and we know you all by name. We do. It's a little creepy. But um, Oscar from South Dakota, we appreciate you listening to us. That's right. And Janice from Nairobi, we're really glad you're here. Janice from Nairobi? Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah, she she reached out saying how proud she was of uh-huh. us. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh man, it's great. Yeah, no, it's November. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't. But to be fair, we've had a lot of stuff going on. Like, yeah, there's been a couple. A things. lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, <laughs> we both moved. Not we not together, but like we moved to different places. To different yes, places. Um, Hamilton got a new job. I did. Casual. In Atlanta. So he's now six hours closer to me, which does not make me happy at all. No, not at all. (laughs) And each time I've been down there, we've been meaning to like record a podcast, but then we always just forget. We just forget because it's like so nice. I think we're still like in the shock phase of you being so close and like I can have you just come drive down for a weekend amazing yeah it's nice yeah it's just so nice um but we have um even though we haven't been recording podcasts we've been watching movies still we've been seeing so many particularly yeah particularly movies that have been on lists that we had at the beginning of last year yes that kind of got pushed yes so to recap i guess we can talk about like before we get to the thing that we really want to talk about um green knight i think we can yeah, we, we can talk about Green Knight. We were both real excited about that. Oh, man. <laughs> that was an absolutely bonkers, amazing, wild ride. Yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, and especially for two lit nerds who, you know, were familiar with the source text and were like kind of baffled about how it was going to actually come together. Oh boy, it was so good. And it's not like it's, you can just like, turn medieval literature into movie adaptations and like throw a dragon in there like if you've ever studied medieval lit or early english lit it's impossible it is just impossible to translate what you're reading in a poem that was written in the 1200s onto screen and and make it in a language that frankly we don't speak no in no way shape or form right Yeah, no, but it was it was great. I remember we had all kinds of theories when we were, you know, just kind of getting excited about the movie, about how are they going to actually like show the climax of this thing? How are they going to wrap it all up? Um, And I I don't like I don't know. Should we even I don't know that we should spoil it. It's been long enough. If you wanted to see this movie, you you could. I feel like I was close when I said like, yeah, you were meeting to use that but my my thing was that the knight was going to cut his head and he was going to have to use the green scarf to like hold himself together but i was kind of close in the dream sequence where he like used the the green scarf to like protect himself for so long in that weird alternate reality kind of situation but man 
And the ending was just so ambiguous and so open for interpretation. And I high key am camp. The knight still cut his head off anyway. For sure. Yeah, I think that he did. And at the same time, I don't think it matters um, because like you still have all of the bones of the original story about this like knight's quest for honor. Um, All of that still like rings true. Uh, regardless of like what quote unquote actually happens. At right. The end. And oh gosh, Dev Patel. <sighs> yeah, he was awesome. And I like some of the moments in the green Knight are like some of the most beautifully shot things I've ever seen. It has, I, I'm thinking of like specifically that there's this one, like one or right, right in the middle as Dev Patel is um like heading out on his, where he's on the long to, like, road the on the Knight. horse. Yeah, he's on this long road oh, riding this horse and there's like sheep crossing the paths and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm like, how do you choreograph this scene? It doesn't make you know, sense. They're to just me. sheep. You just let them go. But like the kids, the kids who were running after him and then that one kid who just kept running and then he just ignored him and the kid was like, all right, screw you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, and also the one where he like lies down to take a nap in the woods mm, and mm. You're, you're just like panning and seeing all of the woods in like a 360 degree circle. And then when you come back to him, he's dead or dead, dead, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote. Oh, my gosh. It's just beautiful. Yeah. If you if you like medieval lit or you like weird movies, um, either either of those audiences, I think, are going to be very mm. happy with the Green Knight. Um additionally i guess we can talk about stuff that was streaming too or like we'll open it up to streaming but yeah i i don't remember when luca came out specifically but i know we haven't talked about it yeah luca was the freaking sleeper hit for animation Mm. i did not expect yeah I, i i didn't really know anything about it going in i feel like i just was out of the loop with you know animation studios well, even then, particularly like, pixar it it was so just it like popped up because disney didn't run it in theaters it was strictly on disney plus it was kind of them experimenting with what they did with soul and i feel bad that mm. pixar is literally making these gorgeous films in like basements and stuff because they're not called back into the studio and disney's giving like priority to the disney animation side and not the pixar side but whatever Mm-hmm. Oh man, Luca! Luca's just so good. Oh, it got me. And it's so Italian. It is so Italian, but it's also like oh, it's so it's like Italian. an Italian Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Yeah, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. Um, it like the ending made me cry. I cried so hard. Oh my gosh, it's it's, it's so, so great, and and it's um it's accessible like i think it's a lot more accessible than soul is oh yeah and it's like um, made you know soul is like for adults having a crisis it's yes. still beautiful but it's definitely for adults having an absolute crisis but luca's made for kids it's fun it is a fun mm-hmm. little movie yeah it's an adventure but like you said in the vein of huck mm-hmm. finn um boy it was so good uh, I'm trying to think of movies that were kind of on our list that uh, have come out. I, did you ever watch I'm Thinking of Ending Things? Mm-hmm. I'd say skip it. Okay. I was very excited about it because I like Charlie Kaufman and um, I like the cast and I thought that the concept was interesting and the trailer looked fun. But like 
ultimately the it just took some like creative chances that I don't think I loved mm. even though so the the climax of the movie it it takes a very strange turn and the the climax and like moral of the tale is not told to you like through the characters speaking or through their like something that they do but it's told through a dance like it's he wraps it up with it's like a ballet oh and so it's communicating story through dance and like i i think that the idea was a lot better than the execution of it mm. um but i mean like i don't i don't think it's bad it's just like you have to be in such a specific mood <laughs> to be able to love this movie <laughs> and i i don't i don't know i don't i haven't talked to anybody who loves it okay um yeah it was strange i remember that being just one of the ones i was kind of disappointed in on on uh my list yeah. in particular on mine i think antlers was on mine oh yeah and you just saw and i just saw it a couple weeks ago with a friend and we both kind of walked out being like meh the creature creation was good um thanks guillermo well yeah uh guillermo's interpretation of a wendigo was very interesting but there was some problematic representation or like the way that they told the story um mm. because of course they use the like token native american guy who just also happened right. to be the police chief for like sure. 20 years and i'm like there google exists guys you we don't have to <laughs> bring in the the local native guy and like explore this trope again um yeah, the creature creation was really the only thing that had going for it. And it's it's sad because I didn't know Jesse Plemons was in it. And he tries so hard with a very thin um, script and a very thin character. So That's really sad. Jesse's in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, too. He's also he's like in... The, he's the main character. He's also in Jungle Cruise as the villain. Man. And <sighs> he... gosh, he's having a good year. He is. Ha he's collecting paychecks. And... I think that it's also admirable of him to like pick all these super different roles. Cause obviously he got his start with Friday night lights, um, which is perfect obviously. But then he like took a major departure from that character and played Todd and breaking mm -hmm. bad, which is just like, he's, he's just like a dead eyed sociopath, but not like the evil quote unquote sociopath. Just like, he's just, he's just a bad guy yeah but he doesn't like mean to be he's like the affable bad guy um and then i'm thinking of ending things he's like a really aloof kind of awkward um dude in this relationship and then there he is in antlers trying so hard trying so hard <laughs> to be a good sheriff and it's not i don't want to spoil the ending of that one if you haven't seen it but um yeah, we can. I'll, I'll tell you what we can do. I'll I'll drop the short story in the show notes. Yes, the ending of the short course. story and the ending of the movie are very different. Um, yeah, and the the short story is like I mean, it's like a five ten minute. Yeah, read. it is not long at all, but it's a very good short story. You know, it, yeah, it's good. So that that'll be fun. And then you can you three three listeners <laughs> worldwide apparently <laughs> can uh you can read it and then you can go watch it and you can share with us your thoughts yeah. about what you thought about it um i'm trying to think what else i really really loved oh shang chi oh yeah I did it not, was so good. i did not expect to love it as much as i did but i was disappointed yeah, in was black beautiful. widow i was disappointed mm. in black widow but 
it it was not as good as it could have been. I it had some really cool sequences. It did. And here's my thing as like a, a comic book reader, Taskmaster is one of those villains that is just super freaking cool. You know, in the way that they treated Tony in this, I think really kind of watered down the role of the character in the comics. That was disappointing. I'm glad Black Widow finally has her movie. It's like a decade too late. Um, And it kind of feels like something that would have come out in like 2013, 2014, and not 2021. But it was really good. Um, Jungle Cruise, I had a blast in. I think I saw it twice just because it was like fun, (laughs) you know? Um, sure but that's what it's made for it was it's in the vein of jumanji like you're just going to have a good time it's like jumanji and the mummy had a baby oh the mummy oh the mummy well i would say speaking of things that have a source text we've talked about green knight and we've talked about antlers Mm -hmm. and we've talked about jungle cruise it has a source text that's kind of a text it's a ride but you could probably make it i mean we've talked about like so many comic book movies that all have source text (laughs) and comic book movies uh we should probably talk about what we came here to talk about which is something that had our jaws on the floor by the time we were leaving the gotta talk about the uh jason momoa sized elephant in the room um Oh man, Dune. So, so Dune. It. Oh, I don't like. I don't know where to start with Dune. I think probably the the best place to to start, like the most surface level thing you can see about Dune, is uh, the way that it looks, which is uh, astounding. And here's <laughs> it looks so. Yeah, good. here's my thing. And this is, I guess, will just be like the explainer for the visual treatment of this Dune. If you are a fan of Star Wars, Dune is where Star Wars gets its inspiration from, like as a as right. a text. And so it's weird yes. to see the book that inspired the entire Star Wars franchise, like from visuals to kind of like fighting style to some of the inner to like space opera space opera politics that kind of situation it's weird to see dune kind of like be used by star wars and then dune immediately like someone on twitter was like why do all these frames from dune remind me of star wars and they got slaughtered in the comments that were like do you not realize (laughs) that dune is like the og (laughs) So if you, yeah, Dune's the reason that Star Wars has the visuals. In the yeah, first if place. you're a fan of Star Wars visuals, you will like Dune. Yes, you will. Um, but I think that Dune is shot better than any Star Wars movie was. Oh, hands down. I'm thinking there. There are two. There's a scene that comes to mind from the the prequels. Uh, I think it's maybe Episode Two because Anakin is a teen, but he's not quite the angsty emo Episode Three guy. Um, and he is like, he's in a, some sort of hotel room or something. And there's a bug that like comes in the window. Oh, yeah. It's, that, it, it is know? episode two. It's when, um, okay. Sa- oh my gosh. The bounty hunter. Yeah. The bounty hunter who gets like the dart in the neck and, and like decays. In front mask. Of the oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember oh, that. It's bounty gonna drive me, name. drive me nuts. I don't remember her name. She's like one of a handful of females in the entire prequels. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, and and she goes out in an absolutely pathetic way. Doesn't even get a fighting no. chance. But um, that scene, and there's a scene in Dune that is kind of like related to mm-hmm. it with the little hunter seeker thing flying into the room where Timothy Chalamet is like studying his holog- hologram texts. And uh, they're shot similarly in that there's like a bunch of like blue light and it's really moody with all of its shadows. But the thing that uh, that sticks out to me about the way Dune shot it is that there's so much like visual consistency within the scene itself. And you can always tell where something is in relation to each other. And that's something that like, I don't think George Lucas ever really got his brain around. <laughs> there's no. a lot of like spatial inconsistency. Yeah. Um, but just like as inaccessible as Dune is sometimes, like as a text, as a concept, as a whatever it is, Denis really like he distilled all of the things from the book and brought it to a screen where somebody who has no idea what's going on can still have a good time watching it. And it doesn't take this is going to sound really kind of shallow, but it doesn't take a whole lot of brain cells to appreciate no. Dune. And I think a lot of people go into it with this misconception of it being a nerd's movie, which like, yeah, it is. If you've ever met somebody who's read the entirety of Dune, they're a nerd. And yeah, they're we, a nerd. We are saying that as like fellow nerds. Yes. Hi, it us. Well, neither of us have read all uh, of no, the Dune. No, 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 we haven't. And it, it is exhaustive. But there are people who are so passionate about the saga and all of the books, not just Dune, but like the entire series. Right. And they're, they're a bunch of nerds. So, like, Dune has a reputation, yeah. whereas Star Wars is, like, now in pop culture, in the, the like, zeitgeist of pop culture, it's cool to be a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the 70s, obviously, but, like, now it's cool to be a Star Wars fan. Um, I think yeah. I think we're kind of getting that with Dune, which is fantastic. Because if in the era of the David Lynch movie you said you were a Dune fan, somebody was like... Are you okay? What are you smoking? Like, are you sure? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, now you've got, you know, like, if, if Jason and Momoa and Oscar Isaac are in a movie together, it's cool. You know, it's it's just really cool. Right. Two of the most, like, objectively attractive men on the planet. That whole cast is hot. <laughs> Dune is just, just it's a little stupid bit ridiculous. hot cast. Because you get Rebecca Ferguson, Timothy, Zendaya... Um, Javier Bardem. Um, yeah, you get Zendaya for a second in this. You movie. get Zendaya. Yeah, don't Zendaya's doing a, the equivalent of a perfume ads work in this movie. Yeah, she's going to be way more important in part yes. two. But she got her she got her coin on this one. Yeah, yes, she did. Well, she got like top billing. She's like the second name in the in the opening yeah. credits, and she has probably the equivalent of like one day's worth of filming in the desert. Yeah in this in this film which i thought was boy that caught me off guard there were a couple things that caught me off guard because we both did something you told me about it because you follow jason momoa on instagram um and you were like hey uh there's a like a sneak preview of dune i don't know what it is but it's free and it's just like first come first serve and so we both did that we both walked in not knowing what we were Mm -hmm. getting and we got to see like the opening scene or the opening 10 minutes. And then we got to see another scene later on in the thing. And then like a bunch of behind the scenes things and interviews with the cast and crew. Um, 
But what they were very smart to leave out of that is that in the opening title, it says Dune. And, you know, in the preview, we were all like, oh, sweet, it's Dune. But then when we got to the movie, it said Dune part one. Yeah, the fact that they withheld that from us. Boy, the gasp in my theater. I was going to say, if you could have heard the (laughs) gasp of everybody who was expecting just a really long, you know, Dune movie. And it was a long Dune movie. It was a long Dune movie, but it was just part one. And so everybody was like a little bit kind of relieved because that book is impossible to pack into even a three hour film. It's impossible. It's it's a thousand page novel. Um, And so we, we walked out and we were like, well, you know, I feel a little bit duped that we have to come back for a part two. But um, oh, I wasn't duped. I was stoked. I mean, we're really, <laughs> really happy about it. But we just kind of felt sheepish because we like set through the preview and we were asking each other we were like, did you see anything about part one in your preview? Because I didn't see anything no. about part one in my preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Um, something that I walked away from the preview really excited about that I think the movie even just like doubled down on was the score. Because I didn't realize Hans Zimmer was scoring it. But, and like, yes, Hans Zimmer is great. Of course, he's like a master of our age. But like at this point, whenever I see like, you know, music by Hans Zimmer, I'm like, okay, we're going to get the boise, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> every, every movie after like Inception, it like hits the same beats and you're just like, oh yeah, look, that's Hans Zimmer. But man, what he did in this movie was, it was leagues better than stuff he's done in the last, And it was so experimental because he's somebody who, you know, like composers have their different instruments of choice. John Williams Mm -hmm. loves a good brass section. Um, You know, Danny Elfman is very big on keys. But Hans always, always, always leans heavy on strings. And so for him to, in the IMAX preview, say, I experimented with a lot of vocal tones in the human voice. Yeah. He did not fool around. Also, Homeboy made a bagpipe sound so menacing. It was the most evil sounding bagpipe I've ever heard. I was so scared. It was like a bagpipe and a pipe organ. And like, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard a pipe organ sound that scary since Pirates 2 when he wrote the Davy Jones score. Which is the banger of the series. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I honestly, and I told Hamilton this when I left, um, because I texted him right after. And I was like, Hans Zimmer, I would have bet my money. I would have bet like an organ that it was Ludwig Göransson doing the scoring for this because it sounded, right. you know, so experimental and sounded something like what he would do. And yeah, it's avant garde. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just because really... he's doing, I thought it was smart because the text, and, and this is something we could get into in a second. But like in the in the source text, there is like really heavy handed um, uh, American involvement in the Middle East subtext like that is very plain as day in the book itself. Um, the stuff that Hans was doing, like pulling the, the the vocal qualities and pitches and stuff that he was using was like he was using like microtonal Middle, Middle Eastern mm-hmm. scales for these like haunting choral sections. And it was 
Oh man, like I get chills thinking about it. I've been listening to that soundtrack on repeat. That was another reason that I think I was okay with them colorblind casting pretty much for Yeah, that's um, what I wanted to get to. Everyone who was in Arrakis. Because so if you're unfamiliar with Dune, the um, the whole premise is that there's a planet called Arrakis and it is the heart of the spice trade, which for the the Fremen, who are the native people of Arrakis, they use it as like a sacred medicinal thing, you know, gives them longevity. And yeah, um, think of like health. ayahuasca. I think of like a like a Native American ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. It's like a religious psychedelic. And so thing. for everyone else in the galaxy, um, the spice is used for space travel. And so it is, yeah. you know, as if the Iraq um, Middle East oil. As if the oil connotations weren't strong weren't enough. strong enough. <laughs> um, so uh, this this family, um, this lineage of royalty, Duke, based, Dukedom, I guess, um, called House Atreides, gets it. And it's a dad, Leto, his not wife, mistress, Concubine, concubine, I think concubine. There's the word. Thank you. Yeah. Concubine Jessica and their son, uh, Paul, are summoned by the emperor to take over from these really cruel um, rulers of um, Arrakis. And so they come in and, you know, Leto's like, I know I'm being set up for failure. Um, and so he tries to negotiate like a peace treaty with the Fremen. And the whole time and the Fremen are the natives. The Fremen are the yeah, the, natives the Fremen are the native people of Arrakis. And so it's like that's Zendaya's character and um Javier Bardem's character. And they have a whole range of different actors who play them. And I know some people were like, why don't they have a single Middle Eastern actor um playing a Fremen? Because they do have <laughs> the lone Middle Eastern actor they have is on the villain side. Um, right. And he dies. Uh, <laughs> in a really <laughs> brutal way. Um, and so I, I kind of loved the colorblind casting because it kind of opens the discussion up to like how America has not just manipulated the Middle East, but manipulated a bunch of minorities. And also mm. it was never overkill with how Middle Eastern the like music was. It didn't feel like you were being right. hit over the head with the the analogy. You were able to right, and and like it. there is sand everywhere. Yeah. It's called dune. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's so much sand. There's so much sand. Oh man. Yeah, another parallel to Star Wars. To Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hamilton's worst nightmare on screen. That's right. <laughs> it's rough and coarse and irritating, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I just oh man. I thought the casting was so good. Yeah, it was oh. good. Uh, it especially I like it when um, even somebody as recognizable as Javier Bardem can be on screen, and it takes me a second mm -hmm. to like register that it's him because you know he's he's playing this like he you put yourself in his scenario so easily. You know he's thinking like I live here, my people live here, we have lived here forever, and all these other people keep coming in and saying that they own what we have. And like, we're just trying to be left alone. And that, you know, that's like the whole vibe of his character. And he does that so well. And he does it with like, there's a little bit of humor, yeah. you know, in like the, the exchange of customs, because obviously since it's the desert, 
they have to be like really conscious of like moisture in their body. And so like when he walks in the room and he spits on the ground and everyone like reacts really harshly to it. Um, but then Jason Momoa was like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> we, thank you for the gift of moisture. <laughs> you <know? laughs> thank you for sacrificing your body's moisture. It is an honor. And then, I like, know it, it does a really good job of like, making that feel very foreign, mm-hmm. but also very baked into who these people are. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a masterclass in world building that I, I, I was just so happy with. it. I also want to talk about the fashion just to scooch because holy cow, the costuming in this movie, it's, it's unparalleled. I mean, the, the Benny Gesserit period fashion icons, all of them are Queens goddesses. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that Jessica wore, I loved, but even, and I, I've said this before on the podcast, when people manage to make men's costuming good and don't just like focus on women, but like give men's costuming good structure and practicality, I'm obsessed. I love it so much. Yeah. Especially in a story that relies so heavily on clothing. Yeah. And the, the like, moisture suits alone, I think those were so clever yeah. and functional and they look so much better than David Lynch's. They do. They really do. But like those, <laughs> those make more sense. They're something more tactical, something that almost feels, I mean, it feels military. Mm-hmm. I just, they were so good. I loved all of Leto's formal wear. I loved Paul's formal wear early on in the movie. Um, I loved the emperor's huge train. Not the emperor. Um, no, not the, the Harkonnen, the Harkonnen guy. Yeah. Not the emperor. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård's um, well, character. Yes. Yeah. Stellan's. Yeah, the Harkonnens were terrifying. Yeah, they were. They're great. Um, I think just like on a conceptual level, it's really hard to make something that is as intrinsically foreign as Dune, a, a space planet that has nothing to do with people, to make that feel both, uh, you know, accessible to somebody who does not live on a foreign planet. Um, but also feel really like natural to the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. And just the way that the way that Denny and I don't know, I don't remember who wrote it, he, but the way that they were able he to wrote it, but I don't remember who the other writer was. Yeah. They, I, I know that they had a couple of people do like treatments before the final draft. I, I think it passed through a few hands, but to be able to like tell this, essentially political story in a way that doesn't feel like you're sitting and watching, you know, the council on Naboo (laughs) for 35 minutes in the middle of like what started out as like a children's movie, you know, with like Jar Jar Binks. And now he's like in the Senate or whatever, (laughs) you know, without it feeling like that, but you can still like, you're not, you're not exploring politics in your mind. You're exploring politics by seeing the influence that it has on the people who are both deciding the rules and the people who are being affected by the rules. And I think that that's just so smart. And you don't like, there's no like back and forth debate scene in the whole movie, but you can like feel the the tension on both sides. I really hope that's where star Wars is starting to go. I mean, it kind of did with Mandalorian in the first little bit. With the the ramifications of, okay, the rebellion won. Here is all of the new order and logistics. And you got all these outer rem planets for like, we didn't care Mm -hmm. if you were the empire rebellion. How are you going to make our lives better? We're still poor. Right. You know, 
And I hope that kind of taps into it a little bit more. Yeah, I hope so. Like we toppled an empire. Yeah. That I'm sorry, that's an awesome story. I want to hear that one. Yeah, I, you know, I think what happens now? I think Star Wars is starting to finally catch on to like what made Dune so indelible for 60 years is that it's this political thriller that's just set in space. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars has been so pew 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 that like it's lost the kind of like root and grounding in it and that it is a little bit political. Mm-hmm. And so finally we're kind of circling back to that, which I like. Yeah. A lot of the Star Wars books are a lot more like that. They're very, very um, much so. The treatment of um oh my gosh, the third the third Star Wars movie. Return of the Oh, like episode, episode three, three. Tat, no. Revenge, Revenge of, the of the Sith. The 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 novelization of Revenge of the Sith gives Padme so much more agency. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, Natalie Portman is wasted. The the novelization of those the prequels make a lot more sense, especially when it comes to like Anakin wanting to be in the know and why he wants to become a Jedi so much. And it's not just because he's a whiny kid, but um, it's because Jedi holds so much political knowledge and he thinks some of that political knowledge could help him get his mom out. And that's something that's just not explained in the movies. It's just, it's not explained and it's not explored either. Yeah. He he has such a such a compelling backstory to watch what happened with his mom. What was her name? Shmi? Shma? Shmi? Shmi? Shmi. Um, okay. For some reason, whenever I like was thinking it was Shmi, I was thinking of Hook. <laughs> I literally was about to say, Mr. Shmi. Let me get Speaking of space politics. <laughs> Hook. <laughs> Second star to the right and straight on till morning. Oh my gosh, Peter Pan is a space opera. Peter Pan is a space oh. opera confirmed. <laughs> what? I oh, always man. forget. Just I don't know why, because it's so like innately British that I forget it is mm-hmm. literally an outer space saga. It's in outer space. I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> But also, this is a story where you can sew a shadow onto somebody's foot. So, I mean. Hey, let us know in the comments if you also think that Peter Pan is a Star Wars or a Star, not Star Wars. A space 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 odyssey. Odyssey. I think it is. I think that you can make a really compelling case for it. But whatever. That's totally off topic. topic. Um, Back to Dune. Who is your favorite character in the adaptation? Um, It was... I, and I, I don't can't remember his name, but it's the guy that Javier Bardem played. Oh shoot! Yeah, I don't remember. His yeah, name I don't either. remember his name. He did such a good job. He did such a good job, and I found myself like uh, sympathizing so heavily with him and the rest of the Fremen. And I, I think that a lot of that has to do with how well Javier did with playing him. Mm-hmm. What about you, Duncan Idaho? Oh well, obviously. Other than the fact that it's Jason Momoa. Um, Duncan gets the best this is kind of a spoiler but he gets one of the best death scenes I've ever seen it's so so cool and so badass and I just oh man if you're gonna go out I want to go out like Duncan Idaho you know yeah he's beating his chest and screaming I love his little like blade on the forehead thing oh it's just so it's so great Uh, he goes out like a warrior he goes out the way that a Jason Momoa character should go. Right. Out. I I genuinely don't feel like he acts anymore. They're just like, who do we know that can play the human embodiment of like a a puppy? 
you know, just like a, a yeah. German shepherd puppy. Yeah, I saw somebody somebody tweeted something along the lines of like, um, why is every Jason Momoa character personality of a gold of a golden retriever, but also the dead the most lethal man in the universe? Yeah. And that's Duncan Idaho. Yeah, that's it. I also feel like that's just kind of him as a person. Yeah. Cause I don't think he would actually kill somebody, but like he looks like he could. It's just like Dave Batista. You know, Dave Batista in that movie is just towering over everyone else in the frame. And I forget yeah. how huge that man is. It's huge. Because, like, in the Marvel movies, they have other people who are in the frame, like, on boxes and stuff. Because Drax isn't right. super duper. No, I mean, like, he's, he's like, buff and ripped. Yeah. But you never feel like he's towering over right. somebody. But in this, there are just certain shots where he's dwarfing these guys around him and just killing mm. them. And I'm like, oh, he's he's massive. He's huge. Yeah, there were a lot of moments, especially with the Harkonnen people, and maybe it was just the fact that like they were bald and they were warlike, but they they reminded me a lot of Mad Max mm-hmm. um, with a Morton Joe. Yeah. Um, he gives me. There were a lot of a Morton Joe vibes, and I would bet that George Romero pulled from Dune. Pulled from Dune. Probably. He's a he's a nerd, and he's been doing sci-fi long enough that like. He's come in contact with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, Duncan Idaho. He was awesome. Oh, and I, did, did you see that? There was some article that somebody posted that said, like, we need to talk about the name Duncan Idaho. Oh, I saw, I saw that you tweeted and the, like retweeted. It. Yeah. And the so I went and like read the article and it was just the dumbest article that I've ever read. They're like, we have all of these like really cool names in this universe. And then there's Duncan Idaho. Okay, are you kidding thing. me? Why are you going to lead with Duncan Idaho and not be mad about like Paul and, and Jessica? Paul, I know. Somebody like in the replies said something along the lines of like, you have to understand these people like this takes place in the future. And these people are derived from humans. Of course, there's going to be lingering earth human knowledge that gets passed down. So why wouldn't his last name be Idaho? We have last names now that have been around for thousands of years that people, you know, a thousand years ago might have been like, really? You're named after the guy who makes shoes? Yeah, I was going to say, your last name is literally Barber. Right. Yeah. I'm named after somebody who cuts hair. And the most common, like, American last name, Smith, Mm -hmm. that's just a profession. Yeah. Yeah, of course. His name can be Duncan Idaho. It just rolls off the tongue. You need a heroic name for a heroic man. Yeah, man. But yeah, Dune was great. It was it was so great. Uh, it's on HBO Max. It is on HBO Max for it's streaming, but we do yeah, recommend. Uh, but not for long. It's only until like November, like twenty first or something. We also recommend, if absolutely possible, going to see this on the biggest screen oh, that you can. I don't the know the biggest how screen, many... the loudest sound yeah. system. I don't know how if many... possible Dolby so you can get the butt kickers. See, the problem is that I think it's been so long already by the time we're recording this that like Dolby is is being eat up by Eternals right now. Yeah, probably. But it'll still be in theaters if you're hearing this. Yeah, Please it'll still be in theaters. See it in a Please theater. see it. It is very, very, very good. Yeah, don't watch it. I mean, don't watch it on your phone. That's you're doing yourself place. a disservice. Right. And my recommendation, if you're somebody who is not a fan of long movies and you do not have a long attention span, break it up. You can yeah. you can watch Dune in two or three sittings. It's mm-hmm. worth it. It is just, it is long and not everybody is made 
with the long attention span. But no. I, I do think that, like, in order for you to actually enjoy the movie, it's not a movie you can just, like, watch for the first time while you're doing dishes or folding no. laundry. You have to give it your full attention. Yeah, you can't be on your phone. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be something that, like, spoon feeds you a narrative. You do have to use your brain. Mm-hmm. So if you, but it, at the same time, it's paced really well. It is, but if you are somebody who just likes turning off your brain for a movie, go watch. I don't know, Clifford the Big Red Dog or something instead. Okay, but I do want to see Clifford. Okay, but I do too. I'm just saying it's a kids movie. <laughs> it's a kids movie. He just looks so cute. He does. <laughs> I know his tail is just knocking over stuff on dressers. And I'm like, I live with this every day. I know. Yeah. He's chewing on a bone right now. I and say I'm we're ki- kicking him under the table <laughs> for everyone who obviously can't see this. Um, Hamilton and I are using Zencaster to record tonight. And I've seen Baloo like move in and out of frame, like wanting his dad's attention. And so Hamilton will like lean over and pet him. But he's just trying to keep him quiet so he doesn't like bark on the microphone. <laughs> he he's has a lot of so thoughts about movies. Though. He gets to watch several of them. He does. He gets to watch a lot. Yeah, he hasn't seen Dune yet, but maybe he will. Maybe he'll like it. He, he likes any movie thoughts. that doesn't have like a doorbell or people knocking on doors in it. Those are his favorite movies. Yeah, it was. Um, so Hamilton and I finished Only Murders in the Building together, which is a TV show that's on Hulu. You absolutely need to watch it. But Baloo was watching it with us um, because it was a show that we intentionally wanted to watch while we were together and not like apart. And um, (laughs) so anytime someone knocked on a door, which happened all the time, all the time, (laughs) Baloo would like panic and look at the door at like our apartment, either my apartment or Hamilton's apartment and be like, oh, somebody's here. Oh, no. Or like oh, whenever the elevator kid. would ding, Baloo would just focus on the TV. He's just an anxious bean. It was so sweet. But yeah, Only Murders. We didn't bring that up in the, the intro. Only Murders well, in the Building. It's on Hulu. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, we try and do movies, but like we're big TV people too. So 10 out of 10, Only yeah. Murders in the Building. It was so funny. So good. And shout out to my sister who recommended it and said after she watched the first episode weeks and weeks ago when it first dropped, she was like, you need to watch this. I'm sorry that I didn't listen to you earlier. You were right. I yeah, was thanks, wrong. Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. We appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all I've got on Dune. That's all I've got. But it's on not Dune. all I've got. It, it's not all I've got. But we're at 45 minutes already. Yeah. I think it's plenty long enough. That's that's all we've got for today on Dune. If you enjoyed Dune and you want to talk to us about it, find us on social media. Leave us a comment. Say, hey, Dune. Let's discuss. Slide into our DMs. Um, that's right at three two one play studios on instagram we'll respond maybe i need maybe to, i need we'll to see. make sure depends that, on how good the dm is well, i just need to make sure that account's still connected to my, my instagram <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while guys we've just been really busy yeah it's it's been it's been a minute i ran a half marathon yeah yeah yesterday you did yeah so, no two days ago two days ago it's two yeah look at that it's who knows Tuesday. who even knows what time it is mm-hmm. well i think it's been great if you haven't seen dune please 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 see it um even if you're not a fan of space movies it never feels overly quote-unquote spacey i think that anybody can dig it um but yeah check it out in a theater or on hbo preferably not your phone but hey if that's all you've got give it a shot 
and then let us know what you think. Do you have anything else? Um, I was going to say on the next episode, speaking of space things, I would like to unpack Marvel, the Eternals, and phase four and where that's headed. But I have to give Hamilton enough time for him to see Eternals, which he has not done yet. So I haven't seen it. He has his homework. I've already seen it twice. I'm ready to talk about it. I just have to wait for him and and then we'll record the next podcast. Right. And now you all have a chance to see it too. So you can come prepared with your opinions to tell us how wrong we are. Yes, please do. Cool. Well, I think that's it for me. What about for you? That's it for me. Well, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.